I'm Andrew Nathanson, and this is Serial Season 4. Today, we're going to be investigating the case of a missing podcast for about a month. I think I have Um, the wrong number. I'll, I'll try again. Oh, yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey. Hey. Uh, is 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 this the layer by layer podcast? Uh, no, I'm sorry. I am Andrew Nathanson, uh, and this is 99% Invisible. Have you ever looked at a flag? Um, they have shapes and colors, but not I mean, all flags are created equal. Okay, okay. So this this might not be. I think this is the wrong number again. But this might not be that bad. Um, do you do you do delivery? Can I get uh, can I get a, a few large pepperoni pizzas? Sorry, I think you have the wrong number. Oh darn. Uh, uh I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Hello, I'm Kit Clement, and this is the Wrong Number Podcast. <laughs> uh, where we where we prank phone call the same person over and over without hanging up and just pretend it's a prank phone call. <laughs> Uh, hey, Kit, speaking of numbers, do you want to say some? I think that was the thing you were planning to do. Right. Two. Blue. Five. <laughs> Wait, hold on. What is my rule? Uh, hmm. Can you please uh, tell me when your sentences end? Um, now. Okay, that was the end of your first sentence? Yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, all right. All right, well, that, that gave you me. all the information you need. <laughs> I think that that just confused me more than anything. <laughs> like, I gained information and in now knowing that the end of my sentences has something to do with it. <laughs> but I think that confused me even more. <laughs> Uh, hi, I'm Andrew Nathanson, and this is Layer by Layer. Layer by la- oh, oh. <laughs> Today is Wednesday, April 18th, uh, Ma- which I mean May. Um, we have a subreddit for discussion. The reddit.com slash reddit.com slash reddit.com slash recursion.com slash layer by layer dot com. Well, how was that uh, end of sentence for you? <laughs> I already rang the bell once. I can't tell you. Um, so, our logo was created by Sarah Cook. You should check out her stuff. And if you need design work done, she's a good person to work with. Plus one. Uh, plus, 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 plus. <laughs> Follow up! So, we started this thing a few episodes ago where we were going to check in every single world record that happened during the time between our recordings. And as you know, we run a very uh, tight ship here in terms of our podcasting schedule. We record uh, and release promptly very often. That's Um, right. So, uh, Kit, did you hear that there's a new 3x3 world record? That happened recently. Very recently. In fact, it was definitely not over a month ago. Yeah. So, (laughs) 3x3 world record. Felix Emdegs. He's great. Uh, Great guy. Um, And he... I don't even remember what the average was. 5.67? 6.9. 6.9. Nice. The, ul- the ultimate um, decimal points to end with. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Uh, so congratulations to Felix. 
I feel like it's kind of late to actually talk about this, but is there anything about that you have to say in particular? I think that if anything, I think most people were expecting Max to break that record soon. So yeah. I think it might have just been a little surprise, given that Max had a lot of momentum and had a lot of averages so close to 5.8. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of feel like Felix has been spending most of his energy just practicing three by three. That's what since, it seems. Since Max has sort of like started taking over everything else that he used to do, it's like now Felix is just trying to hold on to three by three as long as right. he can. Right, focus I feel. on the premier event. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense, and I that's exactly what I would do in his position too. Totally. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how long that lasts. I could see it lasting a while longer because Felix is still improving a lot, and he's working on all sorts of interesting new techniques uh same with like jay and i feel like those two are going to be collaborating on stuff kind of i don't know i don't know for sure it's all just speculation from me <laughs> um but i feel like he's kind of pushing cfop in ways that max isn't necessarily but we'll see how that goes mm-hmm. yeah um i don't know i think that it i, I would be surprised if that lasts the summer Ooh. all right uh everyone clip this part of the episode <laughs> so that you can send it to kit later uh maybe i should mention this real quick it's not really a follow-up topic but uh since we're talking about clipping episodes i do want to talk about this so let's get it out of the way so that people can know about it for the rest of this episode yeah um, so there's this podcast app on ios unfortunately it's not an android but i know of other android apps that are planning to probably implement it soon or something similar um Ooh, ios i like ios okay mostly because it has this app uh overcast <laughs> it's like my favorite app ever um it's a podcast player does all sorts of podcasty stuff but he just uh the developer just added this new feature where you can clip podcasts and share them as a video so you can take like a one minute up to a one minute clip of a podcast convert it into a video and then share it on social media or like, you know, send it in a text message or whatever. And it makes it, it's like a super easy to share format. Uh, it's really easy to use the tool to create these clips. Uh, so if you're on iOS and you're not already listening in Overcast, go listen in Overcast. It's the best app. Uh, if you are already listening in Overcast, start using this feature. It's cool. Clip us and send us your favorite clips from the show. If you have anything in the past episodes that you know of that uh, you thought was funny, clip it and like share it with us. I would love to see that. So, wait, why does it convert to a video when it's literally just audio? Uh, it's because um, the the ways that the ways you have to share things are really heavily optimized for video because video is the most popular medium, basically. So, sharing things as a video is just something that most things natively support much better than sharing audio clips. So, you're trying to just say that podcast is like hipster video then, and we're like in this counterculture of mainstream, <laughs> of the mainstream media? Uh, kind of. But it's, it's more just like people don't really share audio clips of stuff. Like, and that's also part of, um, like part of the reason he implemented this feature. Um, Marco Arment, the developer, he like really cares about podcasting. He has a bunch of podcasts and stuff. Hmm. And he noticed the problem was like that clips from podcasts like never go viral because nothing is built to share them Interesting. so hmm. that was his theory behind making it a video and all right all right i i guess i can see it, it it's just annoying because you see those all the time on facebook where like someone makes a meme image or something mm-hmm. but then makes it like a three second like right. still video and it's like really yeah that's that's dumb 
uh, <laughs> it makes more sense for podcasts because like the the audio the visual element does add something. Like he he puts the show art in there, right? Basically, right. so it's like you know what show it came from, and it yeah, has, it's not has a like total the, waste. Yeah, it all, he also implement uh, added the like time code from the episode in in the video. Mm-hmm. So on the screen you have like whatever like video scrubber from whatever thing video player you're playing it in, but also inside the video is like a timestamp from the episode itself that's counting along in the episode. So if you wanted to download that episode, you know where it happens. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So I just thought that was a cool feature, and if anyone is in a case where they can use it, I encourage them to do so. Yeah, like making fun of me for picking <laughs> ridiculous world records that would last forever. Huh. Yeah, I really, I wish this uh, this feature existed yeah. <laughs> when we had that episode, because I bet there would be a lot of clips from it. You oh, can still yeah. go back and make them, though, so mm-hmm. that's the good news. <laughs> but anyways, world records. Um, right, okay, yeah, so Felix is going to uh, lose his world record before the end of the summer, to max, specifically? Um... Or do you just think that it's going to be broken maybe by himself? I don't want to say he's going to lose it. I just said that it would be broken. Mm, Okay. It might be by Felix again, but I don't think that the 569 is going to last the end of the summer. I I agree with that. I think that they're both so close that it could easily be broken. Yeah, and just with the sheer number of competitions they're both going to get. I don't know if... um, you know, Max or Felix are doing like all of the pre-worlds competitions that are happening, or other sorts of stuff. But uh, either way, you know, outside of especially Max, it will likely get to a ton of competitions this summer. So we have a bunch of other world records to talk about. There was uh, three blind and single and average by Jack Kai. We both thought that three blind was likely to be broken soon, and sure enough, there it is. Um, I don't have anything to say about that in particular. Do you? I, I guess I was a bit surprised. I mean, I'm not so surprised that Jack did it. it. The thing is that, like, the blind community is so tight-knit and everyone is so close. I guess it's mm-hmm. it only seems surprising because when you look at the history of the three blind world record, it's been dominated by Max Hilliard recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, to some extent, Jeff. And Jeff. Or... Yeah, Jeff, too. Yeah. Um, so... I guess I was a little bit surprised that it, um, you know, that it was, that Jack did it just because, I, I mean, he's been up there, but I guess his official results just seem to, seem to be a little bit off the, you know, the highest level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that was just a little bit surprising to me, but not at the same time, not t- terribly surprising. Timon Kolosinski got the Pyraminx world record av- average, right? Average. Um, as we predicted, I wrote, I wrote that we predicted it. We must have predicted this at some point in the past. We, we must um, have. <laughs> uh, Hindsight's twenty twenty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no way we didn't predict this. I wrote it in the notes when I was taking notes. Uh, it must have happened. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, not no, much it's, surprise it's, there. It seems like something we surely brought up when we had our world record lasting forever discussion. Yeah. Um, cool. So, yeah. Not a surprise there. He's a very, very good pyramid solver. Pretty much the number one in the world, like, undisputed mm-hmm. um, at the moment. Uh, we had Yunhao Lu with his 4.43 clock average, which uh, I believe was the final straw in one of our predictions. I don't yeah. remember whose. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I brought it up. I don't remember who actually adopted that as their thing. Um, You're right. <laughs> I think it was me. 
I think you're you're still riding on like two by two single or something or two by two average. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the point is, we're bad at predicting world records. I'm um, bad at remembering what we're predicting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then uh, also, I don't know if it is then because I didn't write these in chronological order, but uh, Reto Bubendorf got broke the fewest moves mean of three world record with a 23.00 mean it's finally lowered to a point where i think it's actually like not easy to beat anymore for good yeah. fmcers i mean not that 24 was easy i mean it would but it was definitely it felt 24 felt a lot more in reach than 23 yeah it is i wouldn't say it's easy but with so mm-hmm. many people in that range i feel like it was due to be broken yeah i mean it, it's to think that if you want to be the sole world record holder with a mean now, that you n- must get a 22 mm-hmm. uh, is, you know, it, it, I mean, 22s are pretty rare. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I've, yeah, it's, it's still very rare for me to get a 22. Like, when it was 24, I felt like I still had a chance because, like, I don't get that great of singles most of the time, but I can get pretty consistently in the 24-ish range. Not all mm-hmm. the time, but at times at least. Right, um, right. But now that it's 23, I'm like, I don't think I can do that. Like, like it's just low enough to kind of bump me out of being able to realistically ever expect to do it. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel too. But at the same time, NAR is still 24. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> You know who had a good chance to break the FMC mean but didn't? Uh, Mark. Aww. Mark Boyanowski, who we have previously made fun of for missing one cube on his multi-blind world record. Uh, so <laughs> we're just going to keep dunking on Mark. Uh, he got a 19 at a comp recently, and it was unfortunately part of a pretty bad average. Yeah. Um, I mean, from what I heard, Mark said that if it, if it wasn't a non-final FMC round, he would have DNF'd the, the bad result mm. that he had in that mean mm-hmm. um just wasn't a wasn't a fun scramble apparently <laughs> yeah um the uh I, I had a chat with mark a few nights ago actually about the his 19 solution that he found um which first off is beautiful um <laughs> it's probably like the thing about 19s is that they're often fairly obvious Maybe not always super obvious, but it's like if you go down the right path, mm-hmm. like the right start, you'll find it immediately. Yeah, you'll just hit the 19. Mark's was not simple to find. I tried it myself where I even t- took his first two moves that made EO, and I tried to find the finish, and I could mm-hmm. not find it. Yeah, and I didn't really look at it until right before the show when you told me about it. <laughs> but I think part of the problem with that solve is that there are so many paths that look viable. Yes. That, yes. that it's like you could easily waste all of your time trying to find something good. Right. And it what that his EO was not the only good EO. There were many, many good EOs that you could go down and waste a lot of time exploring. Mm-hmm. Um So yeah. <laughs> uh, it was not a, a simple 19 to find, just given that there was a sh- so many options to look at that whole for that whole attempt that and the option that led to the 19 i don't think was super obvious either yeah it had some interest very i mean it it wasn't the most straightforward block building like when i looked at it there were very obvious things that stuck out yeah and and it was not the obvious thing that was done yeah 
So, but anyways, we had a we actually had a really interesting discussion about sort of like FMC mentality, mm-hmm. um, and I think this applies to any event in general. But I think FMC very much more so because you know most speed solves um, are much faster than FMC, and you don't say, <laughs> yeah. And FMC also, there's like a mentality of how to search for things where with speed solving and even blind solving, you're doing the same thing mostly every time. Mm-hmm. And there's not some sort of philosophical like approach to doing the event that can change depending on the situation you're in. You don't and have I, like a, it's, you have a, basically an algorithm for your whole solve rather than a system for your whole right. solve. And sure, there's probably nice little nuances here and there to many events, but nowhere near the nuance of how to approach an fmc attempt Mm -hmm. um so like i was telling mark like i had this when i had um at hawaii 2019 starting with two 24s um i way way overthought that scramble yeah the third one i mean i way overthought how to approach it um and i think the main lesson i learned is that i need to just not think about the situation and just do any fmc attempt like i would do it in any other situation right because that's what got you the 24s in the first place exactly right like um and one thing too is so mark um it was a 37 was his clunker in the mean and mm-hmm. he had a i think 21 to 4 corners and that was the best skeleton he had mm-hmm. and he could have aborted to do it uh, but he chose to just keep looking for better things. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work out, of course. And he could have had a 32 if he found optimal insertions on it. So a five-move yeah. improvement, which would have given him a PB mean by a third of a move. Yeah. But I but still don't... He... We were talking about that still was not the right play to yeah, do Yeah, that's definitely ins- not... Because I, I think about this a lot when I DNF a solve. Because mm-hmm. then I'm like... I often will be like, okay, well, it doesn't matter what I get on this one unless it's really good um, for solves after that. But I feel like that overall just makes my solves worse. <laughs> like, right. it gives me a worse chance of actually finding that really good thing by trying so hard to find it. Yeah. And that's what I found at Hawaii, too. Like, I think I went in because um, I would love to say that, e- I mean, that I'm strong in EO and I'm definitely, like, much more comfortable than I was, like, a year ago with EO. Mm-hmm. But I still have to say that um, I'm inconsistent. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, There's just some scrambles that EO works well with whatever I find and other ones where I miss things very frequently that I should have found. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I went into that third scramble with Hawaii, I knew that despite being inconsistent with EO, that it would produce the best results for me, regardless of like any start. And I felt like I needed to take a risky strategy given that I started with two 24s to, you know, give myself a chance at a world record. And it turned out that the 19 that was, you know, on that scramble was a block building start. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, the thing is, on every other attempt, I, ch- I check block building. I don't know if I would have seen the specific block start that led to the 19. I, I, I kind of doubt that I would. There's a chance I would have, but um, it still kind of made me realize that... Um, no matter what you no matter what situation you're in you have to just do every attempt the same i think there can be slight exceptions very um, slight but mentality wise i don't think you should change 
Yeah, I, well, I think the one big change is, like you were saying, if you're in a round that has future rounds after it, you need to get a successful yes, solve. Yes, yes, I agree with that. That That's the only time, like, that's the only big change I would ever make, mm-hmm. um, is if I need to get a successful solve, I will settle way easier. Right. Um, the other thing we talked about that I think that was interesting is that um, it's really nice having your lucky attempt come last. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just because it doesn't make an impact on the others where you like maybe get nervous and have this sort of mentality change Mm -hmm. for how you start searching for things and, you know, get a little too risk happy where you sort of lose sight of like what, um, how, like you, how searching for starts led you to the good solutions you have already. Mm -hmm. It was, we, it was a really interesting discussion that we had though. And I think that, um, Mark told me that like you know he's done you know he feels like he's had a lot of you know comp you know uh sadness things happen to him where it like eats him up for a while and he said that you know i think he said that this one wouldn't stick long with him Mm -hmm. just because he felt like he he did the best he could to try to break the record in that round and it just the cards didn't fall his way yeah and that's like what was the other solve in that average 23 37 19 yeah uh there's not really anything you can do about that (laughs) right yeah um i mean it would have been world record if he had found a 26 and someone did find a 26 but it was on yeah but like even a 26 even a 26 isn't like that's not a gimme even for mark i don't think no i mean it's it's likely but definitely not a gimme yeah yeah, and some other there was another competitor that found a twenty six, and it was on eighteen to four corners. So mm-hmm. very, very lucky insertions. Mm. Bro, somewhat lucky. Ah, <laughs> uh, seems pretty lucky. I, I mean, <laughs> it's two two moves better than it should be. Mm. What kind of four corners was it? We don't need I, to go into the details, but <laughs> <laughs> about two moves better than it should be. Mm, maybe like half a move. Uh, so. <laughs> okay um <laughs> we I, I want your four corner skeletons man they're pretty good uh, <laughs> you should try them sometime <laughs> uh, uh, do we have any other world records we need to talk about yeah there's a couple more uh okay. stanley chapel four blind it's finally good um yeah. <laughs> like really good though um like a minute 10 right something yeah. around there One ten sixty eight. yeah that's really fast Mm-hmm. Like I can't even imagine that. Um, well, you can if you watch the YouTube video. That's not imagining it. That's uh, that's well, you can watch life. it, and then you can imagine it after you've watched it. Uh, nope, can't do that. That's illegal. Um, <laughs> is, is there a uh, copyright concern for playing videos in your head? Yeah, now that now that they can, the governments can read minds. They can also enforce c- mental copyright. <laughs> <laughs> So interesting about the record that he got. He broke it first with a 119 at the same competition. Right. <laughs> and then got a 110. Um, and funny Reddit uh, comments. Uh, <laughs> there was a competitor that um, commented on the like world record post on Reddit that said, Is it weird that my first thought was, oh, finally. <laughs> on the 119. Yeah. And then Stanley himself replied to that and was like, that's literally the first thought I had. <laughs> when I, when, like, when he saw the time. Like, yeah. finally. 
<laughs> and then nine nine seconds better the next round. Yep. And it still stands to improve, I think. I would say. Not a lot, or and not necessarily quickly, but I think that he has better in him. Oh, for sure. Um, and lastly, this one actually is a fairly recent record. Whoa. Uh, what, you mean that these aren't? Uh, I mean, of course they are. We are a very timely <laughs> podcast that uploads every day. Um, <clears throat> every day? Tijman van der Rie, um, with a 4.98 square one world record single, finally sub five. And honestly, it was the most casual looking world record single I've ever seen. I haven't seen this one either. I don't think oh, I've haven't? watched the videos okay. for any of these except for the Felix 3 by 3 I've been very bad about watching these. I just kept track of when they happened. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. Like, from what I remember watching the video, uh, he, like, picks, he, you know, he's doing inspection and, like, a second into the solve, like, sits all the way back in the chair. <laughs> Wait, I want to watch this. <laughs> and it, it honestly looks like the most casual square one solve in the world and then like just out of nowhere they're celebrating a world record okay i got i'm I'm gonna watch it now and give you my live commentary wonderful all right so he's inspecting uh looks like there was a seven of spades in the in this square one to Mm. hold the pieces in place interesting choice um yeah okay it's cube shape done he sits back and Oh, jeez, that's really loud. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, everyone's very excited. But it's, it's, it's just so funny because, like, uh, he literally leans back fully in the chair. Like, it's just <laughs> casual, whatever. <Yeah. laughs> and the timer stopped. Like, usually when people feel like they have a good single, they're, like, fling their hands at the timer. Yeah, wait, I, I want to watch that part again. But it was just so casual. Yeah, that he just... It's. I feel like he didn't realize how fast it was. Yeah, totally. Like, at all. I mean, uh, when you get that kind of a skip, I mean, I would kind of feel similar. It's just, like, so casual. Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's finally the end of the world records. Like, forever. They're all done now. They're all done. Yep, it's now illegal to get another world record. Perfect. Just how I like it. Then I'll never be wrong. (laughs) Uh, Plot twist, you already are. (laughs) So we teased a long time ago that we we should do some sort of like random advice podcast episode. I think it was when we were talking about like other podcasts from PodCon and like their... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, the like, the Dear Hank and Johns, the... uh, what are the, the three brothers? The... Um, my brother, my brother, and me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, podcasts like that where just, you know, a bunch of white dudes tell you how to live your life. <laughs> Fair. Um... <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of advice podcasts out there that uh, do not involve white dudes, but unfortunately, uh, the most popular ones seem to do this. Yep. That being said, uh, we would love to actually do this as just like a one-off podcast when, you know, we ha- it's, a, it's a slow time and when we get enough, like, interesting questions that we do this. So, 
If you have things that you want advice on, you should send your questions or needs for advice to our email address, layerbylayerpodcast at gmail.com. That's all and the we'll words speak- spelled out, layerbylayerpodcast at well, gmail.com. Um, well, yeah. you know, you could actually put period, uh, like any number of periods in a Gmail. That's and true. It's, and it can you works. also do at the end of it, like dash something? Or there's some, there's some like escape character you can use at the end where you can just append anything you want to your, the end of your email and it'll still really? work. Yeah, Whoa. I forget what it is, but you I can. Didn't know that. Yeah, you can add like a tag at the end of it, hmm. and like if you're signing up for something, you can like put a tag on it with the name of the thing you're signing up for, so that if you get spam emails and they're addressed to that tag, you know who leaked your email address or like who sold your email address. That's um, pretty cool. I mean, even then, you could even just set up a filter mm-hmm. for all emails that are addressed to that email. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I need to look up what that is later. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, anyways. we got off topic. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that email is l.a.y.e. <laughs> <laughs> it would work. Um, it would work. Layer by layer podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and we just want to collect questions because we we probably aren't gonna you know we aren't a big enough show to get a ton of questions at once probably but uh if you have any questions we're gonna mention this on future episodes too just at Mm -hmm. some point we're gonna do an advice episode uh they can be cubing related questions but they certainly do not have to be um in fact we would encourage them to not be cubing related yeah we can only we aren't that good at cubing honestly (laughs) (laughs) and i also don't think it would be very entertaining to be to get like just a bunch of advice questions of like (laughs) Hi, layer by layer. I'm sub 20 and <laughs> am learning full OLL. How do I get faster? Practice. Next. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't think it'd make a very entertaining podcast. But I mean, if like, maybe it's like, um, like a strange situation at a competition or like, it, it can't be cubing related. It's just, um, we're probably only going to answer ones that we can have interesting responses to. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Ask us good questions, not bad questions. <laughs> right. How do you know if it's good? Well, it'll end up in the show. Uh... <laughs> hey, Kent, I have a question for you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> how do I introduce this next que- topic as a question? Um, what's a big blind mean? <laughs> uh, you, you had a much better question you could have asked me. Oh, okay. Let me try again. Uh, what is, what do you get when you cross three big blind singles in the same round? Okay, okay. Andrew, I'm going to Facebook message you the question that you should be asking me right now. All right, I accept. All right, uh, it says here, hey kid, I have a question for you. How does it feel to be a huge nerd who teaches statistics and like how like it's even such like a lame sub like oh sorry I was reading my own notes to myself um is this like an an advice question you're going to anonymously send in not an advice question it's just like a like it's just let's make fun of kit for no reason question Yes, that's it. Hey, kid, how does it feel to be the slowest person in the world with a five blind mean? I believe you meant to say 34th fastest. Uh, Man, that would have been a great response if you hadn't also given me the setup to it. (laughs) (laughs)
it's like i had that one prepared <laughs> yeah <laughs> so kid how does it feel to be the, the 34th fastest five blind meaner in the world well that means i'm the slowest person in the world <laughs> um well um it felt really good to get it at the time that's for sure um, yeah so i don't know like it's funny that um i seem to kind of care about these missing averages things as soon as uh they are like soon to become official mm -hmm. um like when i was not terribly good at three blind back in the day uh three blind was one of those things that was on the missing averages page a long time ago and if mm. you're unaware what i'm talking about there's a lot of miscellaneous statistics page on the wca website and one of them was missing averages so it was like a rankings for averages in events that didn't actually rank averages officially right like at the time was fmc one of them or was that started before you were time so actually i don't th i don't think fmc was on there maybe it was but as i recall there i just don't think there were enough competitions that did best of three to warrant mm. putting it on there um but i don't know wayback machine could prove me wrong <laughs> but yeah stuff like three blind at the time and more recently mm -hmm. four blind and five blind yep yeah, because I got a my first three blind mean in 2013 because I wanted to appear on the missing averages page. <laughs> nice. Um, just because I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I want to have a three blind mean. So I went super slow and got like a four minute three blind mean. Um, and that wasn't actually that slow for me at the time. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but I still got it. And I was like, oh, cool. I have a missing average now. And then... I think at one time I realized in like 2015 or 2016 that nobody in North America had what would now be considered a complete profile. Mm -hmm. Kale Schoen was the only person in North America to have a five blind mean, but didn't have a four blind mean. So do you have a complete profile now? I sure do. But many Thanks. other people do as well. Um, yeah. I was, I was trying to be the first person... Uh, for a little while in uh, North America that would have that, you know, a full profile, including four and five blind means. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, Kale got the four blind mean very soon. Not mm -hmm. terribly soon, but he did get it. Yeah, I'm... I don't know how I'm ever going to get those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's not as bad as you think it is. Well, it's, I mean, my, it... my problem is the comps I go to like the cumulative time there's usually like a cumulative time limit and i'm so bad that i wouldn't be able to fit a mean in that time like i could probably get it if i went safe enough but and what is the time limit they have i don't know just like well i have no idea how fast i am at five blind because i've <laughs> never tried it um well, but i feel problem. confident i could get a mean <laughs> that might be a little bit uh optimistic but <laughs> I feel confident I could get a mean with unlimited time. Uh, I think that's reasonable. I don't. If people go safe enough, I'm pretty sure that anyone, you know, with enough tries, could get a mean if they, you know, didn't have a time limit issue mm -hmm. with comps. Yeah. So I feel like I would probably be about like 30 minutes per solve. Mm -hmm. That's and what mine was. I don't know. I just feel like all the competitions I see these days are like one hour cumulative or something. Yeah, uh, that is. It is common. Um, I mean, if you go to more mental breakdown or please be quiet, like those style mm -hmm. kind of competitions, they te definitely tend to have higher limits mm -hmm. just because they have more time to, to give it. Um, 
Another popular format that kind of helps with this is when they combine the cumulative time limits for four and five together. Yeah, then it just takes twice as many comps to get it, but at least, (laughs) at least you can get it. Well, I mean, hopefully you have the four blind mean already and can just dedicate to the five blind. Yeah, but I don't. (laughs) I'm bad at four blind too. Uh, Well, I mean, that's a that's a good starting point because uh, four blind is definitely like with enough practice is easy enough to get fast at so that when you go slow you can surely get a mean i just find four blind so i don't know what it is but it's really boring to me in a way that no other blind event is see i find four blind to be super interesting because three blind to me is a very trivial memo process to me now that's what i like about it like (laughs) i like the solve part of the solve more than the memo part so yeah i don't know like four blind to me is interesting in that it's somewhere in between like five blind which to me i mean i know world class people don't use rooms but to me like i have to use rooms for it three blind is you know in and out real fast super easy sort of memo relatively and then four blind is somewhere in between where you can kind of use room techniques or just some there's a lot of variable kinds of techniques you can use for memo that are that depend on like how fast you do it. Yeah, I I think my problem with four blind, um, there are just too many midges. Like, oh, it's this... like make, keeping track of which ones you have and haven't shot. Yeah, to. and it's like there are twenty four pieces of the same type. With with three blind, I can categorize. With multi blind, I categorize by cube and by piece type. So it's like each section of my memo is distinct and like i feel like i'm moving through it quickly mm-hmm. with four blind it's just like i get to midges and it's just like how much longer do i have to keep memorizing the same thing all right so before you get embarrassed by our listeners there are no midges on a four blind what are they or called on a four- wings. No, wings 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 what's a midge uh. that's that's the middle edge midge oh yeah of, of a five by five wait you mean you don't memorize the internal pieces of your four by four is that what's taking me so long <laughs> uh yeah no i don't think you need to memorize the internals <laughs> darn i guess that's probably why they didn't let me bring my hammer be uh, interesting though pry open the puzzle to like actually memo it yeah <laughs> uh okay wings there's too many wings and I don't like it, which I guess, like I said, I, I haven't tried five blind, so I'd imagine I'd have the same problem with five blind wings. I don't know. I've I've done enough practice with four blind that I definitely have like gained the, as Noah Arthurs would say it, spidey senses for when I've <laughs> hit all my wings or not. I'm not that bad at that part. Like, I can quickly do the math and be like, how many cycle breaks have I had? How many pieces have I hit? Mm-hmm. Like I can do that math quickly enough that that doesn't really bother me. I always know when I've hit all the pieces. It's okay. just it just feels like it's taking a long time when I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Somehow it. I, what, I guess it just doesn't fit in my brain as well. Like it's the same amount of information mm-hmm. as like certainly less than I would have memorized in multi blind. And I organize the information in like the same size chunks. Right. So it shouldn't be any harder to remember. But something about just like conceptualizing it as all one thing, even though I am breaking it up in my memo, it just it breaks my brain and I can't actually it makes it take longer and stick not as well. That's really weird. I don't understand you. 
(laughs) (laughs) That's okay. So, I mean, if if it helps at all, what I tend to do for memo on um, four blind, and I think this at least helps me a bit, um, I start with corners just like I would on a three blind for memo. Mm -hmm. Then then I do the wings. Mm -hmm. And um, for wings, I do... Because you expect about 24 targets for wings, maybe a little less than that. So I break it into three groups of eight letters. Okay. Um, I did four uh, four groups of six for a while, but I found that three groups of eight was just, like, nicer to keep track of. What do I do? I do six groups of four, I think. Oh, whoa. Is that too much? Is that bad? <laughs> Um, so I would encourage you to at least try doing larger groups. One thing that I think I find helpful about it is that, um, when you do smaller groups, your creativity is a little restricted Hmm. because so? so, um, so like, for example, um, there's some like letter pairs that, you Wait, know, no, I do eight groups of three. You're joking, right? <laughs> no. Wait, three whoa. letters? No, wait, no, wait, no, 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 no. Um, Letter triplets? <laughs> um, no. What do I do? Four groups of three? Do I do four four groups of six? Is that one of the things you said? Yes. That's what I do. Okay, okay, that's that's not so bad. That's not so bad. Um, <laughs> I did, So I did that for a while, too. Um, but uh, what I found is when I made, went to larger groups of letter pairs, I found it a lot easier to be creative in the image. Okay. Because if I had like a bad letter pair, sometimes like I would get ideas for what that letter pair should be because of the other letter pairs. Mm. Okay. And when you have more to work with in an image, I found it a lot easier for me to make images that stuck with that group of eight. Hmm. I and then it's how... less to visualize. I wonder how that would work for me because... The way I've gotten very consistent at three blind memo and like very accurately recalling is with groups of, you know, like three pairs. So that's groups of six. Um, Because I use, I don't use PAO, person action, wait, what is it? Person action object, a person doing an action to an object. But I'm close to that. Um, I'm a lot more free form. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like, I, I feel like it that doesn't I don't know though. I don't really do PAO, I, but somehow the groupings of 3 it's like thing interacting with thing. It's not necessarily a person. Uh mm-hmm. like the person can be in either spot, but I kind of do like OAO. Um <laughs> and that has been the most consistent for me. Interesting. Okay. Well, if you want to give it a shot, try doing a little more free form memoing in groups of 8 and see how it works okay um i don't know it's probably just a personal style thing but um someone i think mark was actually the one that suggested that i try that and i really liked it okay i'll have to give it a shot i should also probably get a better four by four my current that would one help too <laughs> yeah it's kind of just i don't like solving on my four by four anymore so Fair getting enough. a nice four by four would probably help motivate me a bit more as well yeah yeah yeah, because, I mean, that's the thing is, st- I mean, if you're trying to get all the means, start small. Just, mm-hmm. like, get the four-blind mean done. Because four-blind mean, I don't think, is t- terribly difficult, even considering the time limits of competitions. Mm-hmm. 
five blind mean is is very challenging yeah <laughs> um but anyways i didn't finish how i was doing memo though um <clears throat> the other thing that i do which i really like how i do centers now and obviously i don't think this is something that anyone that's world class should do but i find it really effective for me mm-hmm. um what i do because for centers if you pick good orientations i usually expect about 16 targets at most so i mean because you can usually get about six to seven solved at least by picking a good orientation yeah what i do for that is i um skip my first eight targets i trace through them and i just literally skip them all right and then you audio them at the end yep i just remembered the other thing that makes me hate four blind i just use intuitive comms for centers oh and it's very slow and it causes me to forget the rest of my memo yeah so i should probably just like learn a bad method even though i would rather use comms i mean if you're if your goal is to get means yeah just do you too man i yeah i should learn that seems pretty simple yeah and i mean look I, I i get that comms are better and that like for centers comms are by far like their comms are by far the easiest for centers compared to any other piece type mm-hmm. in any blind puzzle yeah um so i definitely get why people like really push strongly to to do them but they're still hard yeah it's like, I can always do them. It's just it takes me a lot of concentration, and which I could be using to remember stuff. Right. Yeah, that's a good so, idea, audioing it. And mm-hmm. I, I thought of that because, like, there's no way I could use audio because I would totally forget the audio while I was trying to figure out how to execute the first pair. Yeah, and so sometimes, like, if I have a really low number of center targets... Mm-hmm. Like, if it gets to 12 or less, like, if it's a really lucky scramble, I will just do straight audio and go. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's pretty rare for that to happen. And most often, I save eight to do for audio, then do a sentence from the ninth target on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then go back, memo the audio, and start. That's good. Yeah, I'll do that once I learn U2. Um, I, I did something similar for 3Blind for a while before I was, like when I kind of wanted to be more consistent without actually ever practicing, which was I would trace through my first two edge targets um, and then memo the rest of the edges, and then I would visual the first target at the right before I put on the blindfold. Oh, okay. So it's like, you know, visual is faster than audio. Audio is faster than... Or, well, audio is faster than image, so... It's a similar mm-hmm. concept, just using a faster yeah. memo type for a few pieces. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, moral of the story is, um, like, if you really just you care about means... can't trust the system. What's that? You can't trust the system. Can't... <laughs> if you just care about getting means, I wouldn't be so, like, oh, I need to be, like, methodologically superior. But... Kid, that's the only way I am superior to anything. <laughs> I mean, unless you really want to put in the time, but it doesn't seem like you're putting in the time to do four blind <laughs> nope. right now anyways, so... Nope. I'm going to be attempting five blind soon. In, oh, yeah. Uh, in comp for the first time ever trying five blind. Cool. <laughs> I, I, what I is that? Ideas. I, I don't remember. There's like a competition coming up. Uh, I think I signed up for it. I don't know for sure, though. Um <laughs> Yeah, 
I, as you can tell, I'm very invested in this sport. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, are we getting into a cubing as a sport debate now? <laughs> no, but that could be an advice question we get, uh, which we probably oh, God. wouldn't answer. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, that's not a discussion I want to be having. It's it's like trying to have an argument about whether the sky is periwinkle or light blue. Wait, you mean it's not bright fuchsia for you? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Periwinkle is a form of light blue, right? <laughs> I think it's an old man. Old man periwinkle. No, okay. Periwinkle is a lighter, it's a pastel blue. I, th- I think he's my uncle, actually, so, now that I think of it. So just to, because I, because I have to give a shout out now. Um, when I was an undergrad, a youngin, um, I did this uh, club at the University of Michigan called Durac, which was Do Random Acts of Kindness. Okay. And I don't know, we just did a bunch of like random stuff, like giving out like free candy grams, like to people studying for exams or um holding doors open for people at random points of their day and i don't know it was just like we also did like free hugs and high fives and stuff like that so it was just like a random feel good club um but we had team names for like all the teams that we would like have doing these things mm-hmm. uh and the, i think one of the teams that i led was the periwinkle pancakes <laughs> that's not and... a color i would want in my pancakes well, funny thing, you mentioned that the very last meeting we brought a pancake griddle and got food coloring to make periwinkle pancakes, and it was awesome. Nice. <laughs> we did it for the alliteration, and purple was just not cool enough. What were we talking about again? I think we were talking about big blind means. Yeah, okay. So, obviously, you need a big stack of periwinkle pancakes, and you can easily get these means. It's the moral if, of the story. If you take his advice, please send pictures. <laughs> hey, Kit. Hey. I've heard, I've heard you don't like pencils, and nope. you don't like pens, so you wanted something in between. <laughs> what do I do? Please give well, advice. <laughs> don't get erasable pens. Oh, no? Why not? No. So my last FMC attempt, um, it was a best of one. So I don't really care that much, um, but it was there was a best one at a comp, and it's not like I'm not going to do it. Yeah, we've lamented the curse of best of one already before, um, and so it was a very interesting. It was an interesting scramble. I don't remember it terribly well at this point because it was a couple months. But the I did. I was struggling to find skeletons at the last minute. I believe I found seventeen to five or sixteen, sixteen or seventeen to five. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, ins- I, 12 minutes, started inserting. I found the optimal insertion that gave a 27. Mm-hmm. But I had to write it down real fast. Because, like, when I found the second insertion, there was two minutes and change left. And I was using erasable pens for this. And um, so I actually found that insertion a little pre- a bit previously, but it was not working. Like, I was just tra- going through the moves with a cube and trying to make sure it worked before I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't working, but I found a couple errors, and I used my erasable pen to fix those errors. I, after I fixed those two errors, I wrote the whole solution down, and time was literally at five seconds when I'd written down the full solution. Hmm. 
So I was like just checking it to see if it worked, and it didn't. And the culprit was on my note sheet. One of the things I wrote down wrong was in the middle of a com for a, a corner com. Mm-hmm. I wrote a prime for the interchange twice, I believe. Okay. So I had to erase one of those primes. Well, I erased it, but I was in a hurry, and I didn't erase it well enough. Okay. So it would have been better to just cross it out. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, (laughs) I have to say that, like, doing the attempt with erasable pen, I felt like maybe my notes were a little bit neater, but it was definitely not worth the stray marks that could be made. Yeah, that just seems a little risky. Yeah, like, if you're worried about running out of space because you're scribbling things out, there's always more paper. Yeah, that's one thing I've been working on is just grab another piece. It doesn't matter. It's not worth the, the confusion. Right, right. Like, don't try to cram things in. Like, I always request three, sometimes even four pieces of paper if mm-hmm. I feel like it, they're four not. Four is my go-to. Yeah, if they're not short, like, four is a good number. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily use all of it, but it's, it's just nice to know that if you need the space, you have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and erasable pen is just not the way. It's uh, not the way. At least I learned the first time it is not worth the risk. Yeah. It's a good thing it was a best of one. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. A little irritating because it was a very easy win that I could have had. So could have had 10 free cubicle bucks, but oh well. Basically, the moral of the story. uh, You can't trust the system. (laughs) (laughs) Man. So a while ago, Jay McNeil posted on his YouTube channel a video explaining how he has some like weird finger tricks for certain cases. Uh, that are like riskier to use but slightly faster riskier in the sense that if you mess it up it's hard to recover Um, Mm -hmm. whereas like standard basic finger tricks you can do really easily and I was wondering have you seen this video for one thing I have not no that's okay it's just know that he does weird stuff Um, I mean that's kind of the vibe I get from Jay these days (laughs) is that he's just doing weird stuff He's, he's very experimental and it seems sign for up him. for my freaking newsletter <laughs> <laughs> yep um sign up for the damn newsletter <laughs> you sound like bernie sanders <laughs> <laughs> all right don't ever ask me to do a Jaden mcneil impersonation <laughs> um he he so there's like this one zbll where uh he does an F2 by flicking with his opposite thumbs. Like he'll flick left thumb, then right thumb. And I just thought that was a really cool finger trick and I started using it. I'm, I'm not even sure I follow what you're saying right now. Okay, so you're holding a cube in like standard, you know, home grip or whatever. Okay. You have both your thumbs on the front, right? Mm-hmm. So put your right thumb on the bottom and right do like an F prime flick up with your thumb got it yep now put your left thumb on the top and do an f prime flick with that i don't understand how this is fast wait hold on is that right no wait wait hold on oh okay (laughs) never mind it's not both thumbs (laughs) that's dumb that's a that's a uh that's what i would do if i (laughs) if i were trying to invent a finger (laughs) trick No, okay, so you do you do the righty thumb thing, like I said, but then okay. you do the lefty flick with your left pointer finger. 
which is still awkward, but you can actually do it fast. To be honest, I think I was doing a better job with two thumbs. <laughs> okay, never mind. This is better. Yeah, do you, do you ever do that kind of flick with your pointer finger like that? Like in a Y perm or something? That's where I use that kind of flick. I'm No, I'm really bad at that finger trick. Like, there are definitely times I use it, but um, like it's one of the reasons I actually don't use the standard JBPLL. Mm. Which see. is like the, the cyclic shift of a T perm. Like, I've tried doing it many like uh and i've timed myself because i use it my main my main uh j perm is an rul aug and i've timed myself even after practicing like the standard j perm with that uh index finger flick for f prime mm -hmm. i'm still faster with an rul j perm i see yeah i i spent a long time practicing the y perm with that finger trick so i got pretty good at it so doing like the thumb pointer finger flick works for me pretty well. Uh, and I just think it looks really cool when you do it. <laughs> yeah, so my finger trick for the F prime in a Y perm is actually um, a, so I don't know if I can describe this well. Um, and now we're just like playing with cubes in the middle of an episode, uh, which is great for our listeners audio. Um, do you do it with but, your thumb? I do it with my right index. Right what? <laughs> which which F prime are we talking about here? In the middle of the alg? What? Okay, two, I see what two. you mean. I see what you mean now. I'm there's sure the listener does too if they're following along. <laughs> yeah. well, what do you do for the one at the end? Uh, right thumb. Uh, so you have a regrip in there. Er, okay, I understand now. <laughs> uh, but cool. yeah, so I just thought I'd bring that up because it's. I think they're pretty interesting and useful, and I feel like you could get more consistent at them with some practice, like that kind of thing. Um, I feel like your your right pointer finger flick is actually a fairly like that's a viable trick. Is that not standard? How do people usually do the middle left front? Left left pointer i believe really yeah that's that what i've so... seen it can be very fast i mean i, I believe it because I, I i don't know it's just never been something that's compatible i mean it probably would be if i practiced it hard enough but i'm old that's now the thing. So... I, I it was extremely awkward for me when i first started it it didn't feel natural at all but now that I've learned how to do it, it just feels like any other finger trick. And I, st and I like, do it naturally in other things, even. Uh, like, if I need to do an F-prime for whatever reason, I'll just naturally go to that. Hmm. Do you think there's something to be said that, like, because I'm 28, that I'm going to have a harder time, like, just picking up this sort of finger trick? Uh, I don't know if you're quite old enough to make that excuse yet. <laughs> Give it a few more years. I don't know, man. Age <laughs> catches up with you quickly. Let me tell you. Yeah, and like when you're 30 for sure, but you got a couple when, more years. 30 is <laughs> just that magical age. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's already all downhill, but it's really picks up the pace when you hit 30. That's when you can like join the like Cubers over 30 club. That's naturally if I turn 30. Well, I not over 30, but it, the Cubers that are at least 30 club. If If you are 30 years old. 
you are over 30, except for the instant that you turn 30. Oh, that's okay. If you want to think about it continuously, sure. Okay, fair. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Score one for Andrew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's other cool finger tricks like... Uh, I don't know. Like I think he does in some of them, like an F prime with like his ring finger. If he ends up with his with his hand in that position, um, wait, what? Like if you say say you do like an R two. Oh, okay. But but like you start from non standard grip. It's yep. it's it makes it more like a D. It's almost like doing an R L W D. Yeah. Um, but also other things like like I don't even remember all of them. The only one I really liked was the the thumb pointer finger flick for f2 um the other ones were all so situational that i didn't bother learning them um okay but yeah i just thought it's an interesting thing to explore more um because like it like 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 we were just saying with the f prime flick for pointer finger Mm -hmm. it's like a lot of finger tricks in cubing you kind of discover naturally on your own Mm -hmm. sure like all the all the normal flicks uh, for me, I no one had to teach me a double flick. I just did it with both hands right away. I know that's mm-hmm. not the case for everyone. Like lots of people, never really learn the double flick um, until they make an effort to. Sure. But there are also just finger tricks that you would never discover on your own, kind of. Like some people have, but you have to really think about it. They aren't natural things you do when you're solving the cube. Yeah, um, totally. And I find those to be really interesting. And just, like, thinking about finger tricks in general is a really... It made me better at... Um, when I when I learned this new J-finger trick thing, I practiced it a bunch, and it just made me think about my finger tricks in general, and I went through a few other algs and, like, practiced finger tricks for them. Mm-hmm. And it made me faster. Like, even though it was just a few cases that I was practicing, just, like, thinking of how my fingers were turning the puzzle put me into a mindset where even just, like, during my normal F12 my solves were way more fluid because I was more used to doing like more efficient movements of my hands. I don't know how to describe it, but it made me like a half second faster when I started thinking about it and really practicing it. Huh? Yeah. Even though it was like, I practiced finger tricks for like four algs four ZBLLs that I never like hardly ever use, but just, just by doing that practice, it was enough. I I think that also might be for me because I was particularly bad at finger tricks before doing that. Um, that's, so it's entirely possible that the only reason it helped me so much was because I'm really bad at it. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think about finger tricks at all. Yeah. I didn't for a long time, but now I think about them a lot. (laughs) So something, something to think about if you're looking for a way to improve your solves, but don't want to really do that much (laughs) could be an area if you haven't explored it yet. I think I find that I have, I tend to have very uh weird finger tricks for a lot of things that i do um like i mean i started practicing skew before it was official so i developed very strange finger tricks for skew nobody seriously good uses the anything that i do (laughs) let's be real there are also puzzles i just don't understand finger tricks for like pyraminx and skew i don't understand how you can turn those puzzles well at all so i'm sure even what you do is like miles about be- miles better than what i do yeah i mean it's not bad but i definitely I, it almost makes me wish that i like just waited to start practicing skew and like mm. waited until people figured out what was good <laughs> uh, but at the same time it's skew so who really cares 
we talk about fewest moves a lot, right? Really? Why would we do that? Have you noticed? Um, <laughs> but often when you're talking about it, fewest moves, that's a lot of syllables, you know? It's so much easier to just say FMC. Wait. Uh, FMC. <laughs> FMC is a bad name for this event. A bad abbreviation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and let me tell you why. I think you agree with me, right? Uh, sure. I mean, uh, it's, are you just trying to make a point that the C is unnecessary? Or? I'm... That's part of it. Okay. So, here's the thing. The, the C. Yeah, yeah, that's the first bad thing. The C stands for challenge. Fewest moves, challenge. It's not a challenge. It's just an event like any other event. Some people, some people uh, would argue it's fewest moves competition. But those yes, but are those wrong. people are wrong. Yes. <laughs> if, if it was that, it would make more sense, but it would still be redundant. Um, <laughs> so that's, even if we changed it to that, it wouldn't be any better. So first of all, challenge, bad. The C is bad in general, even if it is competition. Then you have the fact that it's um, like the abbreviation is the same number of syllables as just saying fewest moves <laughs> and it's a bunch and they're like hard consonant names fmc so it's not easier to say than fewest moves fmc like it's just it's just worse and it's slightly faster to type i'll give it that but you know it's even faster fm which yeah, is just... which is the proper abbreviation for the event just... It just doesn't have the same ring to it. That's just because you're used to hearing FMC. FM is perfectly fine. Yeah, but FM makes me think of, like, radio. That's because you're old. Um. Whoa, okay. Time out. <laughs> just because we're doing this newfangled, young, hip podcasting thing does not make me old. I'm young. I'm hip. I just, I, I like making fun of you for being old when you're really not old. <laughs> like like radio wasn't really much more of a thing for you probably than... <laughs> i mean so i don't know i think that's maybe what i have issue with is the fm just sounds more like a you know like a radio frequency i, I guess it doesn't sound enough maybe like having a two-letter abbreviation doesn't sound as definitive right like it's harder to tell it's an F, it's a uh, abbreviation right like fbi or cia or nba, NBA. mlb all that, that kind weird. of stuff <laughs> it's Why like you, you say nba <laughs> are you in my head that's the first thing i thought of um, <laughs> it's uh yeah i mean um, imagine if john kennedy just went by jk <laughs> uh, that's a good point but yeah, yeah, I guess I guess there is something to like three letter abbreviations that is good. Mm-hmm. But but FMC is the wrong three letter abbreviation for fewest moves. It should be um F What if the what if the C standard for cucumber? Would you be happier? That would be better. Like <laughs> at least it's whimsical. <laughs> um SFM Solve in the fewest moves. S F M. Hmm. 
I, I don't know. Oh. Wait. O O T L F M. Wait, no. F M O L F M O O T L. Fewest F M W O O T L. Fewest moves with one hour time limit. <laughs> I've come up with the optimal name. Wait, did you just say hour starts with an O? <laughs> time did. out. I did indeed say that. Hour Is this like commie out. FMC? With one hour time limit. Hour time limit. Oops, I dropped my FMC. (laughs) Our FMC. Our (laughs) FMOOTL, comrade. Um, In in Soviet Russia, FMC does you. Oh, man. That's good. As you can tell, I am the definitive resource on how to name things that have to do with spelling, especially. Clearly. <laughs> I'm just, can we just, I just want to call it FM or fewest moves. I would be happy with either of those. Fewest moves would be ideal. I'm happy with FM because like there's the, you know, there's the WCA like event abbreviations mm-hmm. and the official event abbreviation for fewest moves is 333 FM. Yeah, I like that too, actually. Wait, what about three FM? That's not bad. That's that's three syllables. That's I don't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> what about FM three? Hmm. It's got the same ring to it. It does. FM three. Fewest moves three by three. But I don't know. That's makes less sense than three by three fewest moves for some reason to me. Uh, it's like fewest moves of a three by three. Yeah, but you're just mm. impl- not abbreviating the other. I'll think about it. I, I I'm leaning more towards three FM. Just I just don't want to give up the ring. Like there's a nice like meter to FMC. FM three, FM. and FM three kind of preserves the the tonality. It sings to me, Andrew. Three by three by three FM three. Mm. Nope, that doesn't help. <laughs> Okay, two so by two also, round two group two stage blue. Another event that has a good abbreviation, in my opinion, is three blind. Three mm-hmm. BLD. That's a great abbreviation, in my opinion. Um. Well, it's not the one the FMC or the FMC the WCA uses. <laughs> they use three by three, but they use three 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 BF, right? Yeah, BF. That's that's bad. That's not good. Three blind <laughs> is correct. Um. But, okay, BLD, like, we're just picking random letters out of the word (laughs) blind. That's a good point, but I like it still. I can't tell you why. Um, So maybe we should do the same for fewest moves. Maybe it should be... FWM? Fwim. Three fwim. (laughs) Three fume. Three fume. (laughs) Mm, No. Uh, (laughs) Or just, like, three FEW? Three fume? Mm-hmm. Three MVE? Three move? Uh, that'd be a dream. Wait, what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Three moves. I'm done. <laughs> Three O O T L. It was like a great, like, one of those Soviet memes where, like, someone dropped their um 
like their tools in, to make like the Soviet Russia symbol, the USSR mm-hmm. like flag. And they were like, oops, I dropped my tools. <laughs> and then did someone corrupt, correct them and say our tools? That's right. Nice. I love those memes. They're so good. I know. That was, that was like the, the high, high form of that meme. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just when you said like one hour time, it just totally made me think. It's like the communist fewest moves. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what, are we, what are we settling on here? FM3? I, I, I'm still FM3. I'm all hmm. about FM3. I'm going to think about it more and come up with something better. Uh, three by three FM. Like that's not that bad, but that's a lot of syllables. FM three. I'm all about FM three, man. <sighs> I mean, and then like, cause if if like other the thing is, if other cube types we get into for doing FMC or FM, FM whatever, like FM four, um, FM squan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, FM4. I see. I do. I see the value in putting the number in there. I just don't know if it goes there. I mean, I think the end makes sense because it's like a, it's like a subtype of the main type of event. Like, I I think more. Some people might think of fewest moves as like an offshoot of three by three, but I think a fewest moves more of its own, is its own genre. Just like blind is is its, is its own genre. But but I do like three blind and four blind and multi blind like i feel like i feel like the type of event should go at the end you make it you make a point but it just doesn't sound as good that i yeah i agree three fm doesn't sound good but fm3 fm3 sounds okay (laughs) (laughs) i mean you could just go fmt if you wanted to do fm3 with the letter and then fmf and then FMF. FMF. Yeah. <laughs> oh God! Can you imagine trying to do a fewest moves solve on a five by five? I would just do the first thing I came up with. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wait. I don't know. I'll think about it more. I'm gonna add that as homework for myself. Perfect. Think about F. <laughs> a brief. FM three. FM. Maybe if we, wait. Maybe we can use FM if we just change the stress. Because the way I typed it there, I typed a capital M. What if we just started calling it FM? No. Okay. No. I'll go home. Uh, no. <laughs> FMC. Fewest moves executed. FME. FMX. That sounds like BMX. It makes it sound like a really dangerous event. <laughs> hmm. FMX. Like FM fewest moves extreme. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm probably going to cut most of that out. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I'll keep the highlights. So, uh, Kit. Hi. I do every segment like that. Uh, I just respond hi every so, time. <laughs> Martin Egdal of the day. Do-do-do-do. Martin Egdal of the day. Whoa. Did you know that in Europe, the continent, or rather subcontinent of Europe, there has never <laughs> before until recently been a sub-23 blind single. Ever. Until really? recently. That's kind of surprising. Or so I've heard. 
Uh, yeah, and our boy Martin Egdahl was the first. Interesting. Of course he would be. Why yeah. wouldn't he be? This just shows that he'll be much better soon at everything. Uh, in conclusion, Martin Egdahl. What a guy. The moral of the story is... You can't trust the system. <laughs> Martin Egdahl of the day! <laughs> Speaking of, of people who... Uh, nearly nemesize me. Nobody actually nemesizes me anymore thanks to Big Blind Means. What? Oh, you're right. Hey. Me too, except I, that's not true at all, but I wanted to feel included. <laughs> Good job, Aww. Martin. You have a new thing to work on. That'll, that'll, yeah, give, it me won't some, that'll give me a new topic for the Martin Eggdoll of the day. It won't take It won't take them long, I would imagine. Them? Did you just call Martin Eggdoll a them? I was more talking to whoever will nemesize me. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I wasn't, know, I wasn't sure if Martin Eggdoll was like actually like a hive mind or something. It wouldn't surprise me. Like he's a bunch of bees. <laughs> that... <laughs> a literal hive mind. <laughs> Just a bunch of bees like making the illusion of a human being. Yeah. That would make sense. All right, all right, all right. Andrew, Andrew, guess what? Hi. I didn't... <laughs> I didn't say hello, Andrew. <laughs> Go on. Guess what? I got a reg of the day, and I didn't have to randomly generate it. I mean, I definitely don't randomly generate my regs of the day. You never um, do that. <laughs> no, of course not. Um, it's actually a guideline of the day. Okay. And it's a new guideline because... Uh, if you're unaware, uh, new regulations became live uh, May 1st, just a little while ago. And that's why we talked about three blind means, not three blind, other blind means. Big blind means. That's what it's called. <laughs> so there's another regulation, though, that I've been thinking about a lot as an organizer. Um, and it's, well, I guess technically a guideline because it's not a requirement. It's just something that really should be done. This guideline is Ford B2++. Good year. Sadly, there are not three more pluses, <laughs> but uh, it is competition organizers should ensure that scramblers, scramble sequences, and partially fully scrambled puzzles are visually isolated from competitors. See regulation A2C. Okay. For example, the scramblers may be located behind a wall or a sufficiently high divider, e.g. a cardboard divider placed around the sides of a table where the scramblers are seated, may be used so that competitors are not able to see puzzles as the scramblers apply scramble sequences. So this is less of a problem I've noticed from like watching competitions uh, in Europe. Mm -hmm. When you watch a lot of them, and you notice like they have a lot of walls, like these movable walls they can move around. And like venues in the U.S. just don't have this stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how you would implement this without just like bringing a, I guess you could just bring a trifold like, trifold kind of you know display board thing but i don't know if that would be high enough well so here's what i've done uh, because this is something i wanted to try to help to improve competition quality in our area mm -hmm. um so this is sort of like a this is a thing that uh they call pipe and drape what's that uh literally what i the two words that i made you put pipes together and you drape things on it that makes a lot of sense yeah um the problem is that like there it's really hard to um you know lug that kind of stuff around and 
Very few venues seem to have it. I mean, if you mm-hmm. go to big conference venues, that that is something you can ask for is pipe and drape. Okay. But it's expensive for whatever reason <laughs> for them to set it up. Because I, just because typically you have to go to big convention centers for them to have that sort of equipment. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of it. Some of this looks pretty fancy, but I would imagine you can do a simpler version. Yes, and in fact, that's what we did. So one thing that we do is... Um, uh, we have different color-coded tables at our competitions, too, to, like, signify, like, separate areas of the competition. So, like, cubes will stay, like, if you get called up, you get called up to one color area and you stay in that area for the whole time. From the same website that I bought these tablecloths to get, like, color-coding it for everything, they actually had a portable pipe and drape kit. Ooh. Basically what it is, is it's two tripods to some extent, like very low tripods to the ground that you can just like shoot a pipe up to, like that's, you know, seven or eight feet tall. They give you many different extenders pieces to make it go across. And we just bought two, we bought shower curtains. <laughs> nice. To hang up on there. And it works out great. Yeah. And you can also take a shower at the comp now. That's right. <laughs> should really help. with. Uh... <laughs> but, um... It was a really nice uh, system, I think, for if people, you know, if you want to have a more private scrambling area, which, to be quite honest, it's like we've started to turn around chairs so people, like, when they sit down the waiting area are faced away mm-hmm. from the tables. But, like, it is, admittedly, in many competition setups I've seen, way too easy to just watch scramblers from the waiting area. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely something I've thought of before. I don't know, like, I've never seen it be a problem but i guess it would also be pretty easy to look at it and not get caught you know or just like even if you do get caught like you're i don't know you're just staring into the distance you know like Mm -hmm. it's very easy to be like oh i'm not i'm not i wasn't trying to look at them i was just you know you know dazed yeah not looking at anything in particular yeah it helps to have the chairs turned around for that at least because then it's like why would you be staring in that direction like exactly well and some people just want to look in that direction because they want to see what's happening Mm -hmm. we did this at rose city in april um and it worked out really well and it's a very cheap setup too um Mm -hmm. the pipe and drape set was i think like 35 to 40 dollars uh and it's real nice because it it, uh decom it like packs itself up into a very small bag and then i just bought a shower curtain at fred meyer for like 15 bucks Basically, for $50, you've built, like, a very nice portable wall that yeah. you could bring to competitions. That's cool. I don't know. It seems like something that uh, we we should have used more often at competitions, especially because it's very easy. Like, if you're already holding on to equipment, it's not much more to hold on to. Yeah. And, and like, this is obviously super superficial, but I feel like it would also just make, like, the competition kind of have a better feel and look to it. Mm-hmm. to have something like that set up also if like cube stores want to get on this like cubicle shower curtains Ooh, heck yeah <laughs> <laughs> you can now just have your shower curtains placed in competitions yeah that's actually like, uh, it's a joke obviously but that's not a bad idea i mean it's not a bad place to put product placement because i mean one thing that i think that um competitions don't always do the best job of is like branding themselves well Mm -hmm. and like it almost makes me want to you know not buy cubicle ones but like we have like a pacific northwest cubing logo and we get like a wca logo 
and I'm sure there's places that will do like, you know, custom printing on shower curtains and that would work great. And then like if a cube store does sell something like that, maybe people <laughs> would just buy it for their shower. You never know. <laughs> exactly. I mean, who wouldn't want a cube store branded shower curtain? <laughs> yeah. That's like the number one thing people ask me for. They ask you? Yeah. I don't know why. I like go outside hey. and then there's like five people waiting for me at my door. Every day. I tell them have to go away. That, have you made that shower curtain for that cube store yet? I'm working on it, guys. Please, Kit. We don't need to talk about this. I deal with this enough in my daily life. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A little, little, little too close to home. I see. Yeah, it's like you know. I just I podcast to get away from all the people asking me about my shower curtains. Are you are you holding out on us? Do you have the shower curtain? You're not giving it to us. It's a prototype. I don't want to talk about it right now. Oh, so you are holding out? I plead the fifth. You're telling me you've got a cube store shower curtain and you're not telling anyone? I didn't say anything like that. You don't know anything. I, I, I'm innocent. <laughs> I'm innocent. <laughs> uh, you know what the moral of the story is? <laughs> you, you can't trust the system? Man. <laughs> <laughs>